thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. Hi, everybody. Um, good news and bad news. The good news is you get a new episode of Rune View this week. The bad news is it's me. Sorry. Uh, Andrew, as you've heard from his many, many podcasts and many, many adventures, is very, very busy. So uh, in lieu of him and in at least to get some uh, content out this week and... Um, since he's busy and I'm not, I watch a ton of movies. I'm going to talk about some movies. Um, first of all, I am drinking again, as usual, perpetually drinking perpetual uh, from Trogues Brewing Company. Big old heavy IPA, um, 7.5, 85 IBU. You've heard this many, 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 many times, uh, but I am continuing, continuing to drink it. Um, weirdly enough, well, maybe not weirdly enough. I mean, I've done... A lot of lot of podcasting, uh, but very few on my own. In fact, so few. This is my first one, so uh, bear with me as I go through this. And uh, please, if you unsubscribe from Bruneview, uh, don't do it because of me, because of this episode, uh, and because <laughs> I'm sure I'm your uh, your least favorite podcaster. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I should stop with the the humility. Uh, but I am very self-conscious. So, uh, yes, I am drinking a perpetual and I am going to review some movies this week. Um, one 
Uh, one of the things I, I have done recently is I go on streaks of things, and it's um, kind of a weird thing. I, I'll, um, I'll start listening to a uh, book on tape. And I'll try to find the movie that it's based on or uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and bear with me right now as I try to pause this and see if we can keep recording. All right, if all's gone well, uh, you're still listening to me. And uh, uh, b also bear with me, too, because of the ums and ands and ahs, because I'm trying to fill the dead space. So I'll try to get better at that as we go on. Uh, but like I said, one of the things I do is I'll, I'll read a book, say, uh, someone will pique my interest, like, uh, Thomas Harris, right? So I'll, I'll go, I'll read, like, just recently I've read the, um, uh, Red Dragon, which is the first in the series of the Hannibal, the Hannibal series, um, that, you know, the first is Red Dragon, second is Science of the Lambs, next is Hannibal, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I'll, tr I'll, what I'll do is I'll try to seek out Hannibal to see how it compares, or I'm sorry, Red Dragon, the movie, and see how it compares. But um, I haven't been able to see that. But I also, but I did get to see Science of the Lambs that was just streaming on uh, Netflix, which uh, I think I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen Science of the Lambs. But um, what I found that, that that I do more than most is I'll revisit movies uh, a lot. Um, one of the movies I've revisit all the time is uh <laughs> oddly enough is um uh, uh lived i repeat or edge of tomorrow the tom cruise alien movie and you know you relive in the same day every day so i'm watching the same movie every day all the time all this stuff so um anyways funny aside but uh so i watched uh science of lambs again uh, it's a uh, if you haven't seen it recently it's it's really interesting because I mean it it kind of came out in the early nineties. Um, it's it's one of the I think three movies that swept the awards and and, and we've talked about it on the podcast before and uh, it, it's it's really fascinating because there there is some really bad moments in this movie. I in in I'm, I'm gonna tear it down a little bit, but trust me, I'd love this movie. I'll, I'll watch it all the time. Um, but some weird bad movie moments like. The Hannibal Lecter part sometimes can be kind of cringeworthy and like overacted at times, and it's and it's not to say that I don't love them. I do, but like um, when you go back with like a critical eye and like really uh, try to analyze the movie itself, like there's some weird parts. Um, the relationship between uh, Jodie Foster's character uh, Clarice and um, I can't remember the the name of the the lead FBI guy. Um, ah, crap. Um, well, you guys are saying it in your head. So, anyways, um, but that relationship is really weird. Is it's it's very sexist at the t for the time, even I think. But it it. Uh, but maybe this movie was meant to portray that, like, kind of empower women a little bit. I don't know. Um, but it it really did feel sexy. There's some points in like in the uh, where uh, her and the lead agent they were with a bunch of like town cops and they were trying to uh, uh, establish credibility in uh, in the investigation. And they uh, and at one point he sends everybody out. Um, 
and it's just it's just a weird situation. And and some of the uh, Hamble Lecter stuff was overacted. But all that to say, like I went down that that whole big uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs thing to, in in order to say I I get on these streaks right. And uh, there's a couple good movies right now on 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 Netflix: uh, Black Hawk Down, Hurt Locker. Uh, probably two of my top 25 movies of all time. Uh, uh, if we if we talk about Black Hawk Down, uh, we get to we talk about uh, Ridley Scott and an ensemble and an on ensemble cast. Forgive me, guys. Um, and it's weird because this movie came out I think in 2001. I'm gonna forgive me why I, I kind of uh, Google stuff and IMDb stuff while I talk, but uh, Black Hawk Down. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott, said it again, came out in 2001. If you look at, like, some of the people that are in this, like, there's some people that were, like, really big for the day, like Josh Harnett and uh, Ewan McGregor. Like, and Ewan, Ewan McGregor still has stuff coming out, of course. Uh, but Josh Harnett, he's, like, he was top billed then. He's, like, lost to the, the times. Uh, but if you, if you go down through, there's a young um, Tom Hardy in this. Um, and I found this also with, um, when I rewatched, uh, Band of Brothers, there's a ton of like, uh, I think James McAvoy was in that, uh, uh, Simon Pegg, people you wouldn't expect to see, um, uh, but like when you get all these ensemble cats, and I guess you find it more in war movies cause you gotta get a bunch of young men to portray these and they're looking for young good actors and some of them you never see again but a lot of them then you'll you'll see come up come up again but i was it was fun to see uh tom hardy come up in it um so uh black hawk down uh based on uh the novel black hawk down which i've been reading and forgive my voice guys because i am fighting cold again uh, you know what you know what stop it i'm not gonna ask you to forgive me anymore uh i'm done with the forgiveness you're gonna listen or you're not um Anyways, uh, based on a book, and I'm halfway through reading. It's not. It's it's a little daunting. It's it's a lot of. Um, uh, it's it's fine, but uh, obviously I haven't listened the whole way through it. And when I say read a book, I usually mean re- uh, listen to a book. Um, you know, time constraints and working alone. That's that's where I do my reading by listening. So, uh, uh, but. There's something special, and, and maybe it's a dude thing. I'm sure it's a dude thing. I mean, I mean I'm not saying uh, women aren't uh, enthralled by the war movies, but anecdotally, you know, the people I talk to and the people, the women I'm around, you know, when I want to sit down and watch a war movie, they're not going to be listening to it or watching it. Um, so it, it, it it's a really uh, fascinating look and you kind of, it's weird because uh, Ridley Scott is doing some of the Tony Scott stuff, uh, which uh, Tony Scott is Ridley Scott's brother. And Tony Scott has a distinctive style. Um, and you you see that a little bit in this movie, like the flat, the fast, like pan throughs and um, uh, very quick dialogue and like uh, just about a million cuts in every scene and it 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 makes the 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 action in the um uh 
the way, uh, yeah, I guess the action is the best way to say it. The action just very frenetic. It, it, it keeps moving. Like you can never set, set down and like actually focus on one person before it, it jumps to another. Like, I, I don't think any cut is more than like two or three seconds of this whole movie. Um, but just a fascinating movie to watch. And, um, really kind of one of the, well, I think probably Saving Private Ryan was probably the first movie that made you kind of realize what, that war isn't all glamour and stuff. I mean, when the, the bullets are flying by and people are getting scared, like not everyone's a hero. And, uh, I think that's kind of important when you, when, uh, war is depicted. Um, and I think that even says more, <clears throat> there's more to say about that. And, I'm going to pause this real quick so I can take a drink. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take a drink and you guys can listen to it. Because my throat's kind of going out there. Um, but uh, uh, The Hurt Locker in, on Netflix uh, right now. And when when you talk about like war movies, um, when they, I guess the, the realistic war movies, and and I'm coming at this from a person that never served in the military, never uh, saw uh, any, never fired a weapon in, in anger. Um, but it conveys the, what I imagine, I guess. And I'd, I'd be interested to see what, you know, actual uh, veterans would say about the Hurt Locker. But I think it was, they did uh, enough, re uh, hopefully they did enough research to get uh, the right feeling. And I'm sure Again, everyone's seen this movie. Um, but it's a young Jeremy Renner. It's a young Mac Anthony Mackie. Um, of course, an old Guy Pierce and an old Ray Fiennes. Um, I don't know if this we can keep going with this, guys, because my voice is going. Um, but another, again, another ensemble cast. And... Uh, Academy, Academy Award winner um, Catherine Bigelow for director in this movie and uh, just it really it has great great action great suspense but it also like really examines the I don't know I mean I guess the PTSD part of it um, it kind of goes into that but it also goes into the um, the conflicted uh, thoughts of the people that are uh, quote unquote uh, protecting us and and I like I think that their overall goal is yes we need to protect the people back home but I mean over and over again you hear the story you know we don't we don't fight for the people back home we fight for the people that are with us and uh, the the camaraderie between them and you know the butting heads you know, because of like a very testosterone driven uh, environment and, you know, high, uh, long periods of stagnation uh, heightened by short periods of, of threat. And I, I think this movie does, for me, uh, I think it does a great job of just really boring down into the uh, psyche of the. Uh, modern warrior um and not just the you know the uh 
the, the SEAL Team Six guy. This 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 is more the day to day warrior, uh, the the day to day a soldier, and it's a it's a fascinating look into it. And I think I mean deservedly so. She got the the Oscar for this, and um, I I've told my brother in law Ryan about the the effect this movie had on me. And I had like two or three times while I was while I was um, right out of high school, into college, and just almost out of college, where I could have been enlisted, not enlisted. Well, right out of high school, I would have enlisted, but <clears throat> I would have enrolled into a, a program where I would have um, gotten into the, into the military. And this movie, at the beginning of it. Uh, made me feel that I should, like it made me regret the fact that I hadn't gotten into the military. And by the end of the movie, it it, it kind of, like I was conflicted and it kind of made me glad that I hadn't because of the, the effects that war and that kind of, um, that, that kind of environment can have on you. Um, and, you know, this is me just spouting off, and I'm sure I'm going to say things that are offensive and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not. This isn't anything to say like um, the people that come back are damaged or or you know are can't can't function in society. But also, there they have there's stuff that we need to look at them and say, you know, hey, thanks for doing that, and. You know, it's it's shitty that you have to like keep some of the feelings uh, because you've lived in an environment where you know we we take for granted. So off my soapbox now. Uh, but I also watched like also at the same time I watched uh, Black Hawk Down and Hurt uh, Hurt Locker, both streaming on Netflix. I watched Lone Survivor, which is not it's uh if you have FX now, eh, which I don't know how many people out there do. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but Lone Survivor, it's a story of the uh, SEAL team that got stranded in uh, Afghanistan <clears throat> on a mountaintop. Um, directed by Peter Berg, starring Mark Wahlberg. And I forget him. Well, screw my voice. Um, this movie, I don't know, man. Like I know what they're trying to do, and like the guys that they're this is a true story, and they're uh, trying. I, I guess most of the time they're trying to you know say hey, this is dedicated to them. Um. But I, I, at times I felt felt it was a little bit too gratuitous, not not with like the blood and guts, but like, um, I don't know, just a little bit too. Um, look at what these guys go through. And listen, I'm not degrading anything like the SEAL team guys go through at all. And But the um, the amount of falling in this movie was a little ridiculous. It got a little absurd. It, it felt a little um, slapsticky. Um, but, I mean, overall, it was a decent movie. And it, they did a good job of tying in like the real people in it, especially at the end of the movie. They, they showed a lot of the guys that... Um, were were killed or were injured, and they showed, um, you know, just so it's a little bit of 
hey, these are the guys that did this, and this is a real story. It's not just some stupid war movie that, you you know, it's not Rambo or anything like that. <laughs> I am going to pause it because I do have to cough. And just like that, I'm back. Um, so, yes, um, Lone Survivor, a little bit more dramatized than I would have liked. Love the actors, love the story. Uh, Pete Berg just gets a little over his skis at times. So um, I'm going to, when it, when it comes to Black Hawk Down and uh, The Hurt Locker, uh, Lone Survivor, as a movie, doesn't hold a candle for me. Um, all right, uh, jumping out, off that whole thing, there is a movie I wanted to talk about, too, uh, that just for time constraints, I know I wasn't going to be able to get to last week and uh, probably is going to get lost to the annals of time. Uh, but I did want to talk about it because I know one person in particular, uh, Devin Messers Ed, will love this movie. I think. It's on Amazon right now. It's a short movie. I think it's only like an hour long or an hour and ten movie or ten minutes. But it's called A History of Time Travel. Stream it on Amazon. And it is a documentary type movie. Um, and well thought out, well planned, averagely or not, I wouldn't say poorly executed, but like mediocrely uh, executed. Um, it <laughs> it does get into time travel and the repercussions. It's it's kind of like a a dumbed down uh, primer. Uh, I I don't think that's a movie we've talked about a whole lot on on this podcast. Uh, the movie Primer, uh, which I should look up and see if it's streaming anywhere. Uh, but uh, a history of time travel. It is. It's it's a neat little thing. So Masters Ed, check that out. Um, it it's kind of hard to find when you're when you're searching for stuff, but uh, I think you'd I think you'd really like it. Uh, let me look at Primer. Uh, one one a good app. Whenever I'm when we're recording and um, uh, and we're kind of going back and forth, I always like to go to uh, an app I got on my iPhone. It's called Just Watch. J U S T. Uh, W-A-T-C-H and it you you put in uh, the different streaming services that you really like and it anytime you do a search uh, when it comes up uh, it'll come up and tell you where it's where it is streaming or if it is or if it isn't streaming a uh, movie like Primer from 2005 is not streaming anywhere so sorry everybody um and but if I type in a history, or the history of time travel, it will come up. Uh, and this is one of those movies where it, you have to type the whole thing in because it's not, it's not readily, it's not very, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's not. Darn it. Um, it's not very uh, popular, I suppose. Sorry. Really bad brain fart in there. Bear with me. Uh, but it is streaming on Amazon Prime. So, yeah. Just Watch is a great tool to find things. Um, going back to some of the stuff that <laughs> I read and then watch. So, 
<clears throat> I'm always on the, I'm always looking out for um, different authors to start because I, you guys know, you've listened to my podcast before. Work alone, and all I do is listen to either podcasts or books on tape. And I'm always looking for good authors to get into. And um, I've listened to some John Grissom stuff, probably two or three uh, books of his, but never really like did a deep dive into him. Because generally where I'm at now is like um, I've got a little bit more disposable income and I'll just kind of like if I find an author I like, like one book, and then I'll just go right back to the beginning and start going through the beginning from, from start to finish on his uh, – bibliography uh, uh, but uh, uh, Time to Kill uh, was a movie or is a book by John Grissom is his first book really long pretty good a lot of end bombs thrown around in that movie or in that book uh, and uh, I unfortunately I didn't get to watch the movie because it's not streaming anywhere and I, actually I'm going to look it up right now see if it is streaming because Time to time, you know how streaming services work. They'll uh, they'll start, uh, you know, one week nothing's, you know, you can't find it anywhere. The next week it's streaming everywhere. But uh, a time to kill from 1996 is streaming on uh, Cinemax Go. So if you got Cinemax, which I don't, uh, you can check that out. Um, but what I did watch was the Rainmaker. Um. And it's streaming on Showtime right now, and it stars. Uh, it was actually directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola, and stars Matt Damon and Dana DeVito, and um, uh, I was going to say Rucker Hauer, but um, Mickey Rourke, and a young, young Claire Danes. <clears throat> um, but The Rainmaker is a movie, or uh, yeah, a movie based on uh, the book by John Grisham, and. Uh, and this is a, uh, one of those situations where, you know, the book definitely better than the movie because the movie's kind of, it's not paint by numbers, but it is kind of, it's a little too sugary or too saccharine. It's a little too good to be true, you know, because, uh, the good guys win in the end, you know, the bad guys are just evil for evil's sake. And, um, I mean... I, but because I like the book so much, I like the movie. And um, I'm a sucker for Matt Damon. This is him, you know, his most Matt Damon-ish. <clears throat> very young, very uh, uh, baby-faced and, you know, doe-eyed. Um, but a good movie. Uh, one, of those, one of those situations where you get a great performance by pretty much everybody even though sometimes they're cartoonish. Um, but then I watched a movie uh, called The Firm um, with Tom Cruise, Gene Hackman, and about a, a million of the oldest white guys you've ever seen. And that is streaming on... That is not streaming anywhere. Sorry, folks. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, from 1993... And one of those movies where it is of the time and it feels very dated. Uh, directed by Sidney Pollack. So, you know, there's big directors attached to these uh, to these movies. Uh, but if you go through, it's funny, 
there's it's a who's who of people. I'm just going to go through some of the people. So of course Tom Cruise, and then Gene Triplehorn, which you may not you may recognize the name, but as soon as you see the face, you'll recognize the face. Of course Gene Hatman, Hal Holbrook. Um, that's another. It's an old white guy. Um, Wilford Brimley, we all know him. Ed Harris, Holly Hunter, David Stratham, which you'll recognize him. Gary Busey. <clears throat> so basically, a ton of a who's who. Uh, this movie is actually a lot worse than The Rainmaker. And quick pause while I clear my throat. And I'm back. Um, but anyways, like I said, this movie definitely not as good as The Rainmaker. And that's saying something because Rainmaker isn't that great of a movie. But The Firm is one of those movies, excuse me, one of those movies where... Um, they they they'll throw in plot points from the book, just to throw them in for like um, uh, fan service. You know, you you see that a lot in like Marvel movies or, um, but usually they try to tie it in and make it um, good for everybody. But kind of wink wink nod nod. This is just like oh there was a uh, blonde hair guy, so we're gonna throw him in there. But then they'll like change the plot completely at certain other points where it just doesn't make any sense. It's just a, a mishmash. It's just a bad, bad uh, 90s movie. Um, I gave it a five just because, well, I mean, I mean that should say it's just average, but you know, you know my rating system, whether it's beer or movies, like I'm usually, you know, six to ten. This is definitely five, so not not very good. Uh, one last thing before I get out of here and, and quit wasting your time is uh, I, I rewatched the, the Kill Bill uh, I was going to say trilogy, but it's the, I don't know, what would you call it? Yeah, call it what you want. Um, but Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2. And um, so it's weird because I'm, it, and they're both streaming on Netflix, but I, as I'm watching Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume 2, I'm, and I'm going to say right off the bat, like, I think Kill Bill Volume 1 is, a much better movie. Not not much better, but probably like if I'm if I rank them, I'd probably like two stars better than than Volume Two. Uh, it just the well, I'll get into it a little bit. Uh, but it's weird because you know you look back at Kill Bill and we we think that is part of Tarantino's, you know his uh, you know just part of what he did and stuff. But actually, I really think it was a big leap for him when it came to producing these movies because he, you know he had done in correct me if I'm wrong and send me emails and tell me I'm wrong uh, but he had done you know uh, Reservoir Dogs he had done Pulp Fiction he had done Jackie Brown all right so it's one two three and he had done Kill Bill Volume One Kill Bill Volume Two that's four and five and then he did Inglorious Bastards Django Unchained and then Hateful Eight so that's eight movies that he's done. Now, I know he's done other stuff, other projects in between there and before then, but his eight, eight feature movies were these movies. So coming off of um, doing uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, yeah, riding high. Did, does Jackie Brown, kind of a box office, uh, uh, you know, a dud for Tarantino. And I would, I would think 
that if you ask most Tarantino fans or people who have seen all the movies, Jackie Brown probably rates at the bottom. Or, I mean, I'd be really surprised if, if there was a lot of people that have Jackie Brown higher than the top or bottom two. And so him doing um, like a, a two-parter, uh, a volume one and volume two, and, and doing it in the style that he did it. Because, you know, it was groundbreaking what he did with Reservoir Dogs and uh, Pulp Fiction because of the, the, the altered timelines and the way uh, he told the story because he had to, like, the audience had to be invested and he also had to buy into the style that he was presenting. This is not a departure, but this is him, like, leaning into it and making a... Uh, a statement in how he wants to make films because uh, out of those uh, uh, out of the first three movies the next two volume one and volume two were much more cinema or much more um, not, uh, they're much uh, uh, cleaner or uh, much uh, how do I say it uh, more crisp I would say, because uh, I think if you watched Reservoir Dogs, very 90s, um, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, very good, but also not quite as polished in Jackie Brown. But, like, there was, a, I guess, more money poured into Volume 1 and Volume 2. And good on Miramax and, like, Miramax and the Weinstein brothers, even though, you know, we can't say they ever did anything good because, you know... Uh, Harvey is, 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 you know, not a good dude, but he also made some good movies. I'm going to pause real quick so I can clear my voice. Um, and don't let me, uh, miss, miss, uh, don't let me, uh, say that, you know, whatever Harvey Weinstein, like, I don't know why I'm apologizing for Harvey. I'm not, he's a douchebag, but I think this is a situation you know, where everyone's having this argument right now, you know, how can we separate the art from the artist? You know, how can I watch, you know, or listen to Michael Jackson whenever he's this bad person and stuff? And, you know, that's all on you. You know, whether or not you can listen to him and feel like you're supporting child rape, then then don't listen to him. But in this situation, when we get producers that produce good stuff, you know, this is one good thing Harvey Weinstein did. The rest of it, he's a dickhead. So I think I've made myself clear. Anyways, um, but for Tarantino to, like, go down this this path and, like, do, you know, animate right in the middle of the movie, you know, switch, you know, or do, like, the, the massive blood uh, letting that uh, they have uh, in the uh, the house of the, I can't remember what the house is, or the, the restaurant where, where uh, Beatrix does her killing. Um, and just the, uh, sometimes forced bad movie, uh, tropes that he loved so much whenever, and he was, uh, aping whenever he was making this movie. Uh, it was such a huge leap to make this movie at that time. I really do believe that because, because it, he pulled it off, he was able to make Inglorious Bastards and Django and then Hate Wait and... Uh, I don't think, I mean, you may not like those movies, but you 
can't deny they're they're well-made movies. Um, the only reason you won't like them is because you don't like the story, I guess. Um, I, I, I defy you, and please email if you can tell me you don't like those movies because they're not well-made. Um, but um, I just thought that uh, revisiting those two movies, Kill Bill 1 and 2, it, was, it gave me a better appreciation for Tarantino as a filmmaker because he has some balls. He takes, he takes leaps that others aren't willing to do. Um, like uh, a Spielberg, I'll still watch all Spielberg's movies, but he doesn't take those chances that Tarantino will. Uh, he dares his audience sometimes not to like him, like the movies. But he, they cannot deny that they're well made. And... Um, my voice is failing, and I, I miss my, my, uh, my cohort. And, Andrew, I hope to see you back next week. And uh, for that, for me, for Andrew, I bid you adieu, and hopefully I have a cool trailer to take me out because my voice is done. Love you guys. Bye, 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 bye. I'm sorry, so sorry. Sorry.